This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We're back for another week of podcasting and videos. And you and I, for somehow, we realized last night that we're already behind. It's Tuesday. Things are rocking. And we have a really cool piece on the M2 coming up this week on our main channel. And you may have noticed that we are continuing to drop test drives every Sunday. This past Sunday on the uh, the test drive videos channel was Range Rover Sport. The sportiest version of the sports cars Easy. that Range Rover... No, no. 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 Anyway, so sport. Yeah, check There's that out. Much, much badge confusion there. Yeah, for sure. This coming Sunday is the Amira test drive, which we did mm-hmm. while we had the Amira comparison. But time for new comparisons on the big channel. So it's M2. And the M2, in case you don't know, is uh, is big now. Other quick business from Blipshift. Spa Dreamer 2 is still available on our partner store. Go to blipshift.com and you can find our partner store there. That will be a consistent output of shirts yes. and, uh, and cool stuff there. And then finally, some good news. The first Tesla Cybertruck has rolled off the Giga Texas assembly line in Austin. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not too far. It's like a mile north of, uh, of Coda. It's really not far from, from Coda. Is that going to be their test track? So I was thinking, you know, could they arrange <laughs> to do testing for... Hmm. Tesla doesn't do press launches. They don't do them. They don't have a PR department. They don't even have press cars generally. There's a track right there. So how do we get into one of these? We're going to have to find a Tesla Cybertruck owned by an individual. But of course, us being based in Park City, I think between the two of us, we know three or four people that have had a reservation lingering for the Cybertruck mm-hmm. for years now, yeah. which means like they were handing out Rivians at the border, they may st- suddenly, we may be just infested with Cybertrucks. Exactly. It's like the Simpsons when they just, you go to Alaska, they move to Alaska and they got a free yeah. car and. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> like, a stipend that they're like, we love this state. <laughs> we love this I, place. I think, I'm sorry, but no matter how many times I see the Cybertruck, no matter how many environments, I've decided finally what it looks like to me. It looks like a SEMA build. Oh. It doesn't Mm. look like a real car. It looks like somebody's, you know what we could do for SEMA? Weld together about 15 barbecues. And I'm not saying, this looks unreal, man. Like, oh, how cool. I just think it looks dumb. The Tesla power plant is phenomenal. The actual drivetrain they have on all of their cars is a world beater. And it has been for a decade. So they're going to throw a lot of that drivetrain at this thing. I'm wondering beyond the Tesla fan people, is this a hit? I think it will certainly be striking, and I can't wait to drive one. Like you said, yeah. we know various people who have one on order, so as soon as they get it, they have said, hey, here, guys, you know, drive the truck. So I'm very interested. But this announcement just came out before their second quarter earnings call. To, of course it did. You know, song and dance, hey, look they're, at my hands over here. They're really good at that. Sleight of hand, and look at the cool stuff that we're doing. Never noticed the, the tire uh, fire. The photo actually showed the particular truck without a, a driver's side door you could see through the windshield and the people standing on the other side where a door should be oh interesting so it wasn't even quite finished and there's been of course you've heard the leaked documents that have revealed fundamental flaws in the design engineering but that was all in concept stage that was still in very early prototype stage so all those things are constantly being worked on i'm I'm sure so we'll go with that meanwhile ford just reduced the price of the f-150 lightning so does this mean that people don't want to buy ev pickup trucks well, or does but, it just mean they want they want the Cybertruck, 
They just don't want EV pickup trucks. There's been an, a lot of interesting discussion about this in the market right now, is that EVs are starting to stack up on lots. Not Teslas, EVs in general, in, in general are starting yeah, to stack up that. on lots. Yeah. There's more availability in buying an EV than there, there are other kinds of cars. So they're starting to wonder, they, the, the mysterious they that's behind all of us, is starting to wonder about have we reached like the saturation point for all of the people that were waiting, that were curious about an EV? Are we kind of reaching that place? And then what causes the next breakthrough on EV take-up? Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Who yeah. knows? And then I think it's interesting. Look, I'm going to go back to the Cybertruck real briefly and say, look, on one, in, on one side you have the F-150 Lightning, which looks like an F-150. It doesn't look anything unique or weird if you don't i mean if you look at it you go, oh it looks it's like a pickup truck but it just looks like every f-150 out there with some slight oh what trim is that oh it's the electric one yeah then you have the cyber truck which looks like nothing else on the road outside of the blade runner film but it looks like third car on the left on the background of blade runner mm, okay like the, the one they built for sema and put in blade yeah, runner that's good. It's that yeah one. right and then you have the rivian in the middle okay which looks like a pickup but doesn't look like any other pickup it looks like a pickup from the future like it does. Oh, okay. Yeah, pick, that's a, that's a new interesting way to do pickup. So I feel like Rivian's the middle point. F one fifty traditional on one side, Cybertruck crazy on the other. Rivian in the middle. I'm so curious to see who actually buys these, what they think of them, and how they just merge in traffic in life. I mean, they built. By the way, they built one. They built one so far. Apparently, they're hopefully that's the beginning of the ramp up, blasting out of the assembly line. We'll right? See. Apparently, but we'll of see. the 1.5 million people who have deposits, I'm very intrigued. There's a lot of people who've thrown down and are want one and said yes, but mm-hmm. I'm just curious. I can't believe how long it's been, how much they have had their first with a pickup completely taken from them by everybody else. The F-150 Lightning. Is doing very well. Uh huh. Rivian's doing great. Well, I mean, we we think because there's been that price drop on, on the. Well, but uh, when I say doing very well, I mean like people have them. There's a lot of them driving around. That's what sure, I'm saying. Sure. Sure. And uh, and also, you know, GM is making EV everything. I'm I'm not. By the way, I'm not saying that any of these are great. I'm not giving like a blanket. Well, these EV trucks are out and they're all awesome. Mm-hmm. We haven't driven most of them. Mm-hmm. But my point is, the first to market thing is long past. True. So here comes true. the Cybertruck. Is it the bigger, better deal? We don't know. So it better be three times better than the ones that already exist to make it a thing in the marketplace? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I, like I'm saying door is Door shuts should be uniform and is the this for anybody good? other than people that are diehard Tesla fans? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it is. I love that Tesla has created a vehicle that is like the beginning of a meme. <laughs> okay. Like you, you look at it and you want to finish it. You you want the description of something yet. Like that's that's a meme driving around. What what meme is that? Take a photo and put some captioning yes. on that. That's it's, funny. I like it. It's it, it is a rolling caption. This that's good. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. We always recommend that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is brakes. An upgraded braking system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. From the track to the trail, even your morning commute, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter your vehicle and driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. 
Just go to PowerStop.com and you fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder. You'll get matched with complete kits with components that are low dust, which we've seen, noise-free, which is amazing, and feature upgraded stopping power. We've seen great results firsthand on our cars, and we encourage you to improve your car with better brakes from PowerStop. Brake upgrades made easy. Our shooter and editor, Chance, has sent us a Topic Tuesday. Yeah. He accompanies us on pretty much every shoot. Yep. He's driving a third car, positioning, helping arrange cars in addition to all the shooting and and, uh, editing stuff. But he has been thinking about this, uh, Topic Tuesday, because the last two big video pieces where we've had very serious sports cars, and he says each of the trio in the video has had an auto or Mm -hmm. a DCT. Mm -hmm. And he says, ironically, both of them were Chevys. True. And he writes that we obviously all like manuals and we prefer manuals, but at what point does owning one, even in a sports car, become irrelevant to the driving experience? Ooh, that's a throwdown. Irrelevant. That's a throwdown, I mean, we'll go to lunch and we'll discuss, and you and I don't really reveal our preferences. I mean, sometimes we do, but, you know, we'll all discuss. He says that we've talked about many times how some tracks that we've been on are third gear tracks. So Mm -hmm. therefore, you don't really shift very often. And he says there's plenty of canyons that we do and they're third gear roads. You don't really do much shifting, Mm -hmm. which means that makes the manual irrelevant in most of the fun driving situations. Okay. I'm I'm following along. All right. Yeah. Chance writes, even in autocross, you get into second gear as soon as possible and you leave it there. There's no Mm -hmm. shifting. Meanwhile, DCTs and automatics are coming with seven, eight, 10 gears. So you actually shift more, but you're doing it with the paddle. You're doing it electronically. <laughs> and so, All right. This is this is fighting words here, Chance. It it's interesting. I like it. Okay. I'm the guy with a PDK over here. So I, I get it. I but, understand. But he's saying, as a result, he's, he's saying that our modern flappy paddle, thank you, Jeremy Clarkson, that, that that's the way we all refer to it. Our modern flappy paddle gearboxes, cars with paddles behind the steering wheel, are they actually more engaging more of the time than manuals. This is really like a fighting words throwdown. His point was he actually drove a little bit on our pilgrimage trip this year at both Spa and the Ring, and he actually had both the cars he was in, they were not manuals. They were paddle shift, but he said, I had them in manual mode the whole time. He was shifting all the time. He was recently on our uh, in our C8 for the Amira comparison, mm-hmm. and he was shifting that gearbox, which is actually really, really good when you're driving hard. Right. We recently drove the Camaro. That's coming up with the M2 piece, and that actually had the 10-speed GM gearbox and a different paddle gearbox than the one in the C8. Yeah. Still paddle, still Chevy. And he was shifting that like crazy. He felt like he was shifting that more than the manual transmission cars that those comparisons were done with. And so he's, so this is so fascinating. So he's saying, if I'm shifting more with paddles, can it be argued I am more engaged in the paddle shift car because I need to shift more? Wow. And does that make manual transmissions irrelevant? Well, Chance Ooh. says that he is doing more because manuals are a pain in the butt in stop and go traffic. He's got a Mazda commuter car, Mazda 3, and he doesn't feel like he gains anything by it being a manual. We get to interact with shifting more than you do with a manual when you're driving a DCT. So does that mean manuals aren't as fun? Wow. Okay. Now, Chance please makes write it clear. Your, please write your arguments to Chance Hales at... No, I'm kidding. Exactly. <laughs> he does make it clear that he prefers a manual, but if you're not using it very much or at all in those fun scenarios... He would argue that they aren't as engaging when you want them to be, and conversely, DCTs are. I love so this. So interesting. And it's very good. Chance owns manual transmission cars. Yeah, he doesn't for sure. own an automatic. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's a good point. I'm thinking about this. 
in relation to my PDK. Mm-hmm. And the last Cayman that I had was manual and I decided I wanted to experience PDK because yeah, I knew yeah. it was getting so good and it does really pull the performance out of the car that manuals just can't on mm. track. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yes, around town, you can leave it in normal mode and it'll just shift and it's fine, but it seems like it it's on its toes. It's eager to do something. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of control. You're controlling this manual and you're either shifting very gently and shifting, you know, mm-hmm. er, early shifting too yeah, soon yeah. Yeah. and you're just puttering around or you're just leaving your foot in it and you're slam shifting at red line. I mean, not slam shifting, but you, you know mean, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're shifting hard at red line. So you're, mm-hmm. there, there's more of a control there, but I do like the interaction of the PDK and I've said it for a long time. I think it's great. And enthusiasts who own dual clutches, yeah, they are very much enthusiasts. I hear you. There's I a hear you. buzz about that car. There's a there's an energy about it. And even though my arm isn't moving, my fingers are. And mm-hmm. when I shift it myself, I'm still controlling when and how it shifts. Hmm. So I think the interaction is still there. It's just not my whole right arm moving. It's my fingers. Yeah, yeah fair. The result is still satisfaction. It's I, not I, I may dissatisfaction. Be the, hmm, I may be the dissenting voice on this. Okay. Because also, I have to start here. Look, we just got back from pilgrimage about a month or so ago. I can't believe it's been that long, but uh, it's still ringing in our ears. I think. But you know, we drove the uh, the nine nine two GT three RS, and we drove a Cayman GTS on mm-hmm. the Ring and Spa. Mm-hmm. Both of them have PDK. Yeah. And I've mentioned already on the podcast. I think I mentioned it when we did our debrief, actually podcast while we were there, that it was so clear to me that the car, when I was had it cranked up in sport mode and I was driving it on both those tracks, the car was actually being much more aggressive with the PDK than I would have been if I had been shifting it oh, myself. Oh, right. I just had it in go. I didn't even, I didn't even right. use the paddles. That's I just, just the drove computer it very calculating. hard. The computer was actually more aggressive than I would be. With, yeah. If there was availability for it to jump down a gear, it did. If that was in the last 1,000 RPM, it was like, well, there's a 1,000 left, which is not how I would think. <laughs> sure. Even driving with paddles, I don't think that way. Sure. Because yeah. when I'm driving a manual, when you get the last 1,000, you're thinking about you own this engine and somebody better shift sometime soon, okay? Mm-hmm. I, and, and typically, look, I have a Lotus Elise that, that winds out to 8,500. I rarely get to 8,500. 8,000? Yeah, all the time. Sure. 8,500? Like like That's right, a lot where, for I, that right where I know the edge is, I yeah. you know I've owned the car a long time. The difference in that five hundred, I don't care. The, these PDKs are like, well, where's the red light? I I, I need to touch <laughs> that red true. light. I need to find it right now. <laughs> it was much more aggressive than I would be. Yeah, I appreciated that on track. But the the, the flip side of that is, I wasn't shifting. I, I didn't even think about it. I knew that the, I, I quickly realized that the transmission was more aggressive and faster than I was, even at picking what gear to be in. So I just put the PDKs in and just drove hard. Right, okay? you're in, you're in because I'm in track mode and, and, and track mode obviously yeah. much faster than I would have been if I had a manual. That's not even a debate. But the flip side for me is this: I feel like the cars with paddles, I don't shift them much. For me personally, nine times out of ten, I use them like an automatic. Oh, you'll they've leave gotten, it in nor, or just in RC mode. Uh, a PDK Porsche on the road, on a back road, I find that I just don't engage. Oh, really? I, I just don't. Whereas the manual, I do. I absolutely do. Because I'm oh. aware of the fact that they've gotten so good that most of the time, it's going to be better at it than I am. And so it ends up oh. just being an automatic for me. But see, I still use the paddles because I want to choose. Whether I'm shifting with a lever with my right arm yeah. or I'm shifting with the paddles, the only time I want the PDK to select for me is when I'm on track. 
The rest of the time, I am using those paddles, and I get to decide. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking it to Redline because we're on a canyon road. There's yeah, yeah. no need. Yeah. But I do want to decide. When I come in, I want to decide early or late or leave it in gear or whatever. I do want to shift. Mm. I like that satisfaction because I get to choose. And don't get me wrong. I love manual transmissions. Yeah. I love the engagement. Yeah. I love the feel of the clutch bite. Mm-hmm. They're amazing, but then it rules out every car that isn't available with a manual. Sure. It completely negates them and takes them off the table if manuals are only fun. Oh, I agree. Having a manual transmission equates to Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is a driver's car because all the high-end brands, they are wiped off the table. Mm -hmm. Even some of the mid-range brands that don't offer manual transmissions, the Alpha Julia. Great, oh, great example. I mean, Wipes it off the table. I drove the Julia on our, the Julia Quadrifoglio was back on our uh, Utah meetup this mm-hmm. year. And I put my son in it. It was like, we need to drive this car. Because he he's heard me talk about it. He's like, I don't understand why it's cool, Dad. So we got in it and we drove it. Okay. And that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The only time I end up actually using the paddles on a paddle shift car is because I'm on a perfect back road somewhere and I have that light bulb moment and I go, literally, I've already been driving. I go, oh, oh, I, oh, I should put this in manual and use the paddles. Huh. I don't think of it initially. It, 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 I'm so used to just driving them like an auto mm. that I have mm. to have that moment where I'm like, you know, I should. I, sh- I really should right here. Perfect road. Good car. This, Yeah, this gearbox has got paddles. I should, I should use them. 75% of the huh. time in any car with paddles, I won't use them. Is that to do the car justice because it has the capability? Or is it to like, well, I guess I, as an enthusiast, I should, I should do this. Is it because you feel obligated? It's because I know the option is there, so why should, should, isn't this the time I should be using it? Yeah. I think that's what happens. In the same way that you go, you know what, I, sh- I really ought to dial it up to as hard as it goes, and I, it, this is the road for that, which you never do in traffic, obviously. But you know, I should dial it up as hard as it goes, and while I'm here, I should be in manual mode and use the paddles. It's the same, it's the same headspace. But oh. I do find that the C8 is a great example. Yeah. I put the C8, I just drive it. And then if we get on some back road, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I've got paddles. Yeah, I, staring I, me in I face. really, I really should, I should hit the M button and go into manual mode and do that. I really ought to. The lines are blurred at this point because practically every mid-range SUV that we drive has paddles. Oh yeah, and they're not there for sporty driving. They're there so you can downshift going down a hill and you're towing and you want to downshift. <laughs> the problem is the people behind the programming mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. computer don't want to allow you so it downshifts exactly to redline and then continues to use engine braking. It won't let you downshift until you're currently at like 3,000 or less RPMs. <laughs> yeah. Depends and on the car, then but it'll you. downshift and hit like five. So we're safe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So There's it, a lot of caution there. Yeah. It, it won't allow you to actually use it. So it's an entirely different headspace for paddles sure. on those kind of cars. Well, but my, my wife's car has a really good transmission. The, the Our updated Cayenne all mm-hmm. right, has a really yeah. good paddle shift transmission. Now, it's still the traditional auto. It's not a DCT because the Cayenne does towing and that kind of stuff. Right, right. And I find that I rarely use those paddles. I've used them a few times. But it's normally just put your foot in it. You know, let's 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 use all the power that way. So it's interesting. It all it all transfers for me. And I find again, I think it's seventy five percent of the time in a car with paddles, I won't use them. It's just an auto. But see, I would think a dual clutch on a Miata would be heresy. That car demands because it's an analog a experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see it. I so see therefore, it. I don't want manuals to ever disappear. Personally, sure, yeah. I mean, we all don't, right? But I think the manual only goes with a certain type of recipe because Mm, we get all kinds mm. of comments like, well, if the C8 had a manual transmission, it'd be better. Well, have you seen the center tunnel? Imagine a stubby gear lever. You would block the screen and now you're complaining about ergonomics. Yeah, yeah, fair. 
it couldn't work or completely change the car's architecture to lower that center tunnel, mm, which mm. changes the interior design, but then it completely negates future cars mm. like the E-Ray or even the Zora whenever that comes. Yeah, yeah. Because you know it's going to be all-wheel drive and just like sure, the E-Ray, it'll sure, be sure, yeah. even more better, bigger, but you have to have the physical space to package what you need, the mechanical mm. components. So mm. try to fit a linkage in there and make the, the lever stubby enough so it's still got good shifting feel. Sure. Well, okay, now we're doing two types of interiors uh-huh, uh-huh. and that's increased cost and you see where that yeah. goes. But I don't want manuals to ever go away either. Well, you know, the Supra is a fantastic example of this because the Supra comes out with the ubiquitous ZF 8-speed, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. Tuned very well, I might add. Listens to the paddles. It's an automatic transmission, but it has paddles. Listens to the paddles. Is good on track. I've driven it on track not using the paddles and letting the car think for itself. I've driven it on track using the paddles. We did that at the launch. Very, very good transmission. But we all went, shouldn't this car have a manual? And it was a few years. Yeah. And when they did it, they would had to redesign that center tunnel. They did. The height didn't change very no. much. Though. No, no, no. I'm, that, I'm not. That I totally hear you on the C8. Didn't but my, change but my point is, that's kind of exactly my point. But they had to redesign it. Yeah. The car was actually in a pretty good place. We were all looking at it going, shouldn't this have a manual? And even that, we didn't have to change much. Yeah. They still had to redesign the center tunnel and move the whole iDrive hockey puck two inches away. And so now it protrudes more into the passenger mm-hmm. space, which is actually fine. But all of this comes back to the fact that I love having the manual. I love the manual on a back road, but I also like my Elise is the perfect example here. When a manual slips into the background and you forgot you're driving a manual, you just are. Because become, you're still in gear? No, it's become so subconscious. Oh, because you're just doing you're just, it. You're leaving the light. You're going to the... what? Now, mm-hmm. granted, when that happens, you get stuck in traffic. Terrible. Why am I here? Yeah, and then you suddenly know. manuals don't make sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love driving my Elise hard on a great back road. I also like driving it just like, I got to go get something. I got to go four miles. Got to go down my block. I got to sit at the light. I got. I love that it's a manual. Constant engagement that also still slips into the background. It's like if you play an instrument and you play it really well, then you get to that place where you just aren't thinking about it anymore, or you're riding a mountain bike, or you're skiing, and yeah, you, you get in that sure. zone where you're not thinking about the mechanics of what you're doing anymore, but there's so many little pieces and you're doing them without thinking. I love that about manual too. And the car world has completely flopped because the whole reason for our stopped building manuals, unless you paid enough money for them to just build you one. <laughs> is that nobody was buying them. Their customers stopped buying them. But now the car world has changed so much that manuals are in such high demand. One would wonder what kind of money is Ferrari and others Mm. leaving on the table by not offering a manual transmission? And would their sales of that model increase? The whole point is to do a manual. Like the Puro saying, Mm. I mean, a manual doesn't, it's not really suited for that kind of vehicle. But Mm -hmm. you think V12 manual, but not for that. But for a mid-engine anything, even hybrid, figure out how to give us a manual and it's still hybrid? Now, that's interesting. It is interesting. I also think that, that I mean, I think when they when they actually killed the manual at Ferrari, I think their their take-up of manuals was like 2% of their buyers. It was practically nothing. It was, yeah. it was enough for them to ignore. It, to make all the it. sense in the world that they shouldn't yeah. make manuals anymore and spend the money. And, and this has been discussed elsewhere, and I know actually our friend Savage Geese did a really, really good video uh, where Mark breaks this down, that if you're going to have 10% of your buyers buy a manual and 90% buy the auto, mm-hmm. you're going to allot your budget accordingly. Mm-hmm. 90% of your automatic transmission but or your transmission budget is going to go to making the auto, and 10% is going to making a manual for those people who want to buy it. And you end up with a manual that's not any fun. 
That happens too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I wouldn't want Ferrari to bring back the manual and spend the appropriate amount of budget they think for the people that are going to buy because that'll just be a bad manual. That'll just be one we won't enjoy. I don't right. think that any of these automakers are going back. I don't think any of them are going to go back. I don't think so either. Because the other part of it is, and I hate to say it this way, the people that are buying their cars either A, don't care to have a manual, or B, might not know how to drive one very well, or C, all they really care about is the bragging rights of how fast the car goes, and it will always go faster with the dual clutch. It will. So therefore, none of us can complain ever again about the rubbery BMW linkage. <laughs> I we will have still to complain. Take- <laughs> I, I'm going to continue to complain. Sure. But that's, but that's the BMW we, feel, though. We have to they take our medicine. We gave you a manual. Yeah. It doesn't feel yeah. right. <laughs> take it. Uh-huh. This is what we're giving you. And it's still manual. It still qualifies. Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listings anywhere online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and far beyond your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure not to miss anything. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Autotempest is now the official sponsor of all our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing so you can see what's out there, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars. One search. Our next car debate comes to us from Jake, and I read the title and I thought, what on earth? And then this did not go where I expected. But he said, I'm, I'm becoming an annoying car historian. <laughs> and I thought, wait, am I just about to get besieged by detail of something that we probably got wrong and, and he's going to educate us on? No, it's not where this is going. Jake would like to be one. <laughs> exactly. Jake, thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. He has work, worked in the industry long enough. He's not only driven thousands of cars, but his job is going to provide him a vehicle that he gets to swap out every month for wow. a new ride of his choosing. Okay. This means two things. He knows what he likes, and he now has room for a project car. Okay. His frugal mid-2000s Lexus sedan will be offloaded to make room for whatever it is he decides upon. Okay. What he's learned is that he's a sucker for the classics, and he enjoys a project. I mm. hope you've got a big Big old bank account. And a big old garage space to just spread parts out in. Yeah. uh He greatly enjoys history and the driver experience. So his dream two-car garage would be an Audi Ur Quattro, the UR Quattro, Mm -hmm. and the DC2 Integra. Okay. Big icons. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those are the ones everybody wants. He's got $15,000 ready to pick a vehicle that can become his weekend cruiser. The vehicle that he will become the annoying local car historian for. There it is. So he wants a car that he could be so deep into the minutia of the car that he can educate anybody on that car. But what I find interesting is he then says a sentence that I don't think works. He says, being a child of the 90s, he thinks that Miata might be the obvious choice. And Jake, my argument here is people know the Miata. Absolutely. The Miata is the one car you don't have to educate people on. <laughs> exactly. If you're going to get a car from the 90s, the Miata is the one that we're like, oh, yeah, it's a Miata. I get that. I mean, if you start in, people are going to run away. But if you have a Miata, people are really going to run away. <laughs> I've just, already heard. They're going to run away faster. Stop it with the Miatas. That's Stop terrible. Stop telling me about the Miata. He says he's considered taking a ruined 240SX mm. and bringing someone's haphazard work back as factory new as he could get it. 
Okay. But those vehicles are old hat for someone who was still in school when Fast and Furious was new. Weren't we all in school? I feel like that, that we were franchise school, has been going right? since the dawn of time. It was like Dinosaurs, Fast and Furious series. Totally. Yeah. Jake is taking suggestions. What fits his budget that will be fun, yet he'll have the only one around? Well, that rules out the Miata because every enthusiast has a Miata. I agree with that as well, yeah. He says, big bonus for a history deep enough that he'll never run out of new things to discover and annoy his wife with. Sorry, it just made me think of, I'm sure you've all seen it, the Ikea video, where the guy walks around Ikea with his wife, whose name is Donna, if I remember, because he says it a million times. He's walking around, filming with his phone, and it's just this running, it's long, too. He keeps picking up this stupid named Ikea products and making a pun out of everyone he picks up. And you can watch her disdain grow in real time. <laughs> and it is so annoying to wives everywhere that my wife gets mad at him and a little bit mad at me when I show it to her. She's like, this has to stop. <laughs> this is who you're going to be, Jake. That There you go. Let's dive into the choices here. It's got to be the unloved models from car companies, mm, right? Okay. Because if we suggest any of the classics, first of all, they're not going to fit your your budget. Like an E46 BMW M3. Sure. Just, yeah. Sorry, those yeah, are right yeah. out unless you yeah. find something that's really trash. The $15,000 version of that car is frightening. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> 15000 of any of the beloved classics. Sure. The first-gen Acura NSX. Oh, no. Any classic 911. Yeah. A 928. The $15,000 90 Supra is runaway. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Your car will run away from you. Yeah. So I started in with the BMW clown shoe, the Z3 Coupe. Oh, Okay, yeah. Maybe find one, 15, mm-hmm. 20, somewhere in there. And that means hopefully you won't have to do too much to it. I don't want to try to find you a burned out husk of a car and say, <laughs> here's your new car. Nobody's got one of these. It's an old Alpha, I think. And <laughs> I think go ahead and rebuild it. Underneath the rust and burn <laughs> damage, we think it's an Alpha. <laughs> You'll have the only one once you've dumped another 80 into it or whatever. I thought of a Z32 Nissan 300ZX. Sure. A non-turbo, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. How about any generation of a Mazda RX-7? Like even the yeah, first gen. Nobody's yeah. really got the first gens and drives them regularly. Yeah, there's, there's one that we drove and that car is absolutely a unicorn. Yeah. I'm considering imports, but before I get there, how about a 70s Jaguar XJ6 or even an XJ12? Oh, interesting. Okay. Kind right, of interesting yeah, yeah. and fun. Jake, you don't really say what you want to do with the car. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the modern toaster. You're going to have the thing yeah. that will get you around. But this will be, I think, just for fun purposes, just to drive everywhere but not really track it, per All se. you've told us is weekend cruiser and vehicle you can become the ambassador and historian for. So that tells me cars and coffee and just drives at six or seven tenths. Just like mm. the car's got a little bit of speed under it right now, and that feels interesting. I might need to work on blank. Okay. All right. Well, then let's go to our friends at Sotomoto. Adam there has an Autobianchi A112 mm. available. He's got a Citroën Ducheveux. He's oh, also got a... Go. I mean, how about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. You can reel off French cinema, Jake. You can pull the, the benches out of the back and sit at Cars and Coffee in the bench out of your car. Yes, yes you, you can. Could. And people will ask. Or uh-huh. maybe they won't. They'll see you and be like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I, I, there was one at Cars and Coffee here locally this weekend. And I, and I, oh, was I had to explain it to my son. And he was like, really? That's the whole To point. his credit, though, he was like, I, I see how this is like a pair to the Beatle. He like connected it up himself. He was like, okay. I see how this is like, okay. yeah, the French version of the Beatle. He was like, okay, all right, good. Let's see. Lancia Delta HF Integrale, 16 valve or like a 1983 Nissan 300ZX Turbo, like the early 300ZX Turbo. The turbos. early, the first gen 300ZX. And those are yeah, kind of cheap. Yeah, Adam sure. got one for $17,000. Mm, and it's okay. like 
almost 70,000 miles, so decent, probably runs great. You can tinker with it. You can give people all the history of the Z <laughs> and the lore and everything about the Z. But you knew this was coming. Uh-oh. Ferrari Mondial. They're getting Ooh. cheap now. The $15,000 version of that probably doesn't run, but You're it You're going could. to have to add money to this to get yourself into a Mondial. But <laughs> okay. I did All find right. a hard top that I want did for... Did you? Well, the, the Cabriolet that I found, it was like twenty six, twenty nine thousand okay. somewhere in there. Right. But I did find a great green hard top from, I think, 86, mm. and it was 43000 okay. The hard tops are more expensive. <laughs> the rough Cabriolets are kind of cheap. They are, But yes. then you'd be rocking a Ferrari... And you can, mm-hmm. you can launch into Ferrari history. And the good news there is with any Porsche, Mercedes, Ferrari, any of those brands, they want to preserve their cars. Mm-hmm. Even the mm-hmm. ugly stepchilds, the mm-hmm. ones that they didn't really like. And they make that clear. Like, we don't really <laughs> like these too much. Don't want to support that, but technically it's got our badge on the it. The classic programs, you mm-hmm. can still get parts and there's still a good enough network. And then you're rocking a Mondial and they're great to drive. And it's... Well, it is going to cost you an arm and a leg, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not going to cost like him a lot more to buy and then a whole lot more to fix. True, but it's yeah. not like a mid-90s Ferrari. We're still going backwards, and you still have your toaster to drive in. Mm-hmm. You still have mm-hmm. something to go get parts. And he can trade something every month if he wants, yeah. You could. So you're still going to be getting the fix to get into new cars, but yeah, I see you've it. got the Mondial, and I just think it's cool. Cabriolet, hardtop. I like the hardtop personally, but... No, I do too. I mean, I was going to suggest like 912s. Porsche 912s are not 15 grand. Not anymore. Even 914s. It's ridiculous. Not 15 grand. It's ridiculous how much they've spiked because the 911s have gone so cat, uh, stratospheric that it's pulled everything else with it. So here's the issue, Jake. You're going to have to add money. <laughs> how much money? I don't know. But I want you to have, like a Mondial, you're not going to see yourself on every street corner. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, the, there's the Mondial Club. Yeah, 50 exactly. cars deep. Exactly. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you're not, I can all right. see all those people. That's good. Uh, Jake, I have a couple for you. I think I've stayed in your budget, but Paul always finds better stuff because he has money, which is good. <laughs> I, I have a couple. And again, I already made the comment with the Miata is not the answer here because everybody knows Miata. Yeah, no. And you're going to see six more wherever you go. So that's not going to work. I, I have my favorite, and then I have a couple wild cards that are truly wild, but I think all of the above can be found for your budget. I thought of, you could get yourself an MR2, Toyota MR2. Okay. The yeah. second gen. Yeah. Or even the third gen, the spider of the early 2000s, because the reality is both of those cars, you just don't see very many. Even at Cars yeah. and Coffee, yeah. the MR2s, not, I mean, now maybe some parts of the country is like, well, the MR2s are representing here. But in general, we just don't see many. Even when we go to California, it's not like, oh, there's another MR2. Rarely do you see an MR2 in working order actually being driven around mm-hmm. regularly. So an MR2 is one of my favorites. The car I think you need to get, though, because you're wanting to really just enjoy the drive, Quirky, weird, don't see another one. You want to be able to explain it to people. That is a key element of my choice for you. You want to be the guy that knows all about it and explain it to people. You need, you got, you went there already a little bit, Paul. You need a K car, but you specifically need the AutoZam AZ1. Those are cool. Gullwing doors yeah. on a car smaller than a golf cart. Jake, how tall are you? Yeah, that's, that's key. I don't know how big you are because I barely fit. I like fit enough that we could get the shoot done. Okay, but if you're not, if if you're six feet or under, you're gonna fit. You okay? fit in an entertaining way. I do. I do. <laughs> that is comical, a great way to put it. Yes, you fit. Yes, uh, in a way that entertains the rest of us. Every- <laughs> 
How about that? Absolutely. I mean, right. I didn't fit very well either, but yes. my torso is shorter, and I can yes. Thank bend my God legs that around, had so. had a glass top on it. Otherwise, I full on would not have. We're fit. just entertained. Like, exactly. This video is just Todd trying to get in. Totally He's cursing at us. But the AutoZam AZ1, you have gall wing doors, which are like fly traps for car people. Okay, I don't care what it is. You put gall wing doors up at a gas station. People are like, what is that over there? It's got <laughs> gall wing doors. I should go talk to that guy. I don't even know what the car it is. But it's then true. it's also tiny. You're driving on the wrong side. $15,000, buy yourself an AutoZam AZ1. Know everything there is to know about K-Cars and that car specifically and the fact that it was a partnership with Mazda. I mean, I already got you going. I'm like teeing you up here. It's true. That car is the perfect car to solve your reality and it'll be the exact opposite of whatever car that is you're trading out for work every month. AutoZam AZ1 is my answer. I have two wild cards I want to bring up. Okay. I don't like them as much as the AutoZam. <laughs> but I was Windshield thinking replacements about... Windshield replacements for the AutoZam? Yeah, those are expensive. Yeah, they're multi-thousand dollar window yeah. don't get the windshield pocked or if you do just go ah it's okay yeah, exactly. anyway, yeah but uh, <laughs> two other things I thought of that you just never see and if you had the nicest one ever people would be like I remember these okay. it's like a Radwood find okay. but even more the Isuzu Via Cross oh my gosh <laughs> why not and then my very favorite wild card is the Subaru SVX oh their sleek attempt at a sports car it was not a sports car. It, it was it, the SVX is to Subaru what the Phaeton was to Volkswagen. It's the car that doesn't belong sure, with the brand. Sure. Okay. They are still interesting looking. They are as quirky as a car can be. You can get them in all-wheel drive. They were all automatics. You can get them in all-wheel drive. They are unique looking. And I'm genuinely asking all of you in the audience, when's the last time you saw one running and going somewhere, an SVX? Running is a different story. I have seen them, but yeah. they've been parked and there's weeds growing around them. If you had a, that, that is my favorite wild card. Mm. If you had one of those that ran, you would be explaining it everywhere. Subaru did go through a period not knowing who they were. Yes, true. They and know who they are now. They're just a hiking boot now. But but that, <laughs> exactly. that point, we were trying on lots of shoes. <laughs> Jake, I was trying to figure out how to get you into an original Alpine A110. You know, built Ooh. from 1963 Ooh. to 1977, but yeah, 15 yeah, yeah. grand ain't going to cut it. I mean, those no. are cool. They're cool. May, I mean, you'd have to work a little... Be a lot, to get be a lot of 15 grand would be just be spent on the uh, the shipping and getting it here. <laughs> but still, I, I wanted that for you. I, you know, I was thinking launches and Alp, Alpines and uh, the cool alphas and, uh, you know, the stuff that you really don't see that could be once you find your crew and you're the people who have parts and you <laughs> get connected up with them, you can keep it running. You can do stuff to it. And then people are like, what is that? Mm -hmm. Well, let me educate you. No, <laughs> run away. <laughs> run away from Jake. <laughs> As always, you guys are great with uh, questions on social media. And one of my favorites is when people just throw the grenade and walk away. And that's kind of where we started with the topic Tuesday at the top. Chance yeah, a great time that. But Grady showed up as well. Grady on <laughs> Facebook says, has Mercedes watered down or diminished the AMG badge in recent years? Is it being used too much? And then many of you pointed out that AMG is now doing what Audi did with the S line. It's not an S model. It's an S line. It's got the, it's got the package. Lexus does this and annoys us with the sport, the F sport trim, which is not really sporty. But but so AMG is doing the AMG line now where it's like it looks like an AMG, but it's not an AMG. So that does water it down. But BMW does with with you can get the M package on any lesser car. So all automakers are doing this. The reason I think Mercedes is watering down AMG is because they've they've always been known for enormous muscle car style engines. Yeah. That's what yeah. AMG has been, the big, throaty, that-sounds-angry engine. 
And look, I understand they're moving with the times. I get it. But AMG is now going to be the world of overworked four cylinders. Yeah, that's true. And and the car that you posted, the Instagram car you just posted, that that C class, is quite powerful. But it's what I described as the Volvo thinking. It's the same four cylinder, just how many things can we screw to it so it creates even more power. And I feel like a lot of the personality of, of AMG, and you've identified it before, it's like the the Chevy hot rod of Germany done luxury. I think so. The the huge angry V8s or V12s with a ton of personality and a big old voice and a ridiculous amount of power. It just makes you laugh because it's so obnoxious. Just melt the tires. Yes. That's all we're about. That's what AMG is leaving behind. And that is a very interesting shift. Okay, Grady, if you're arguing that AMG is diluting the brand enough, then I will argue that Ferrari in all their merchandise, has done the same thing. Oh, that's legendary. Yeah. And I went looking for the most obscure Ferrari stuff that's sold with a Ferrari oh. badge on it Okay, and is not a car. Now, I love the Porsche bikes. I like all the e-bikes and the bikes they yeah. make. I still don't really see it, though. Mm. Really? The Porsches build it? Like, just focus on building more 911s. <laughs> don't put your energy into the key rings. And don't the, you guys do cars? The bicycles are cool. They're $11,000. Just make more Caymans and cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so Ferrari with their Ferrari surfboard. I'm trying really? to figure out the connection between surfing and Ferrari. Is, somebody educate me. Can you surf off the coast of Italy? Is there anywhere surfable off the coast of Italy? I mean, maybe. Okay. Is but, anybody in Italy actually rocking the Ferrari surfboard? Is there a connection to the Ferrari Mahjong and chess set? No. I, no. I'm not sure. Even just a Ferrari photo frame. You paid more. It's carbon fiber, red border. You paid a, a lot more. On the chess the, set, is it called, the, it's not the king, it's called the Enzo? It could be. Yes. <laughs> the pieces are kind of boring looking. We should have... They, they, should, be, they should be really cool looking if it's going to be a Ferrari not. chessboard. And it's stupid expensive. Of course it is. It's got Ferrari on it. It's two grand. No, I'm sorry. It's $2,200. Uh, sure, sure it comes it in a carbon fiber case. A bit better. It's entirely handmade in Italy because, mm -hmm. and the king was made to resemble the famous prancing horse, but it does not. It, no, for two grand? For well, but, but the prancing horse, come on, obvious, the prancing horses should be the knights. Shot glasses Hi. and bed sheets and plush toys and, <laughs> oh, a theme park. Yeah. Talk about dilution, and yet everybody still wants to buy their stuff You're and right. aspire to a Ferrari. So I say the same thing. AMG mm. line has no problems over here. You still okay. want that right. coveted AMG badge. I still say no. How much further AMG goes, still going to want it. <laughs> okay. On Twitter, Ted Theologan, Party on Ted, he says, do we regularly use adaptive cruise control? He's asking because he spent the weekend with his wife's everyday driver, which is a 2000. 22 Mazda 3, which has adaptive cruise control, and he doesn't know what his strategy should be. He's like, what is this for? Off is the strategy. Th yeah, this, this is, I'm going to let you rant in a minute because this is a quick rant from Paul. This is like, uh, he bumps into adaptive cruise control and is instantly enraged because Ooh. it gauges speed off of the car in front of you, and you suddenly, you were going 75, and why am I going 54 now? It's because of that guy. Well, it magnifies whatever activity they're doing mm -hmm. to go that slowly, whether or not they're using cruise control, they're just, the car's matching the speed mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they might be completely distracted on their phone, doing anything sure. else. And now it's like, I'm on their phone. 
<laughs> I am now on your phone. I like it. That's good. I'm surfing through Facebook over there on your phone because the effect has rippled down. No, no. <laughs> now, you're forcing me to drive like the person in front of me. That's what adaptive cruise is. And we're calling it safety. Mm. And they're not the greatest driver in the world because you're distracted and you're doing stupid stuff. Or even if you're just puttering along and I want to drive faster because I want to. <laughs> because have you met us? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be beholden to your driving style and activities that are going on behind the wheel. I want to do my thing. <laughs> and, told you it's an easy uh, rant, guys. Told you. If we are all to get better at driving, if traffic is to lessen, then we all have to pay attention constantly mm. to know what's going on. Look in your rearview review mirror. Don't camp in the number one lane. Hang up your phone. Put it aside. Look at it later. <laughs> You have the rest of your life to look at your phone. It still doesn't steer your car. I know your car is not voice activated to steer left and right. It's the craziest Siri, thing. Siri, turn left. Why won't the Cybertruck have this? And now you're making me drive as bad as that driver? Uh-huh. I don't think so. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> Dr. D does the E on Instagram, says, what's one thing that we think is worth changing or modding on the 2023 Honda Civic Type R? I actually have just now thought of one. I read this question earlier, didn't have anything, but now I've thought of one. Literally one. Okay. Because if you're buying that car, you better know what you're getting. You're getting a massively tired front-wheel drive throwdown with a surprising amount of space in four doors. Okay? I, the, it also feels like, and we did a big review of it with uh, the, the GR Corolla and the Golf R, and we talked about how that car feels like a Honda blank check moment. They've done a phenomenal job with that car and the way it drives. I don't understand what would you would need to mod to make it drive better, but I will tell you one right now that they should that should be changeable. Hmm. The wing should come in body color. The wing oh, is always right. black. You really did. Uh, I really let us dislike all know that. About how I really dislike that. Now, if it, the, if the that. car is white, you have the, the the stormtrooper thing going on. You've got white with black accents, and then the black wing. If the car is black, it's fine. But if it's red or blue or any any, any color that I would buy, yeah. it looks like an aftermarket wing because it isn't available in body color. That's really the only one I'd do. I mean, even if it were carbon fiber, because then it just looks dull and black. I I'm sorry. I it should be body color. It. So it comes with the same paint color as it came from the factory. It should match. There's no reason to, like, you don't, are you going to try to subtle your wing because it's black? It's a Civic Type R. Subtle's gone, okay? <laughs> subtle true. has passed, okay? Let's just make it the color of the car. That's true. You did, uh, you did <laughs> that ship has sailed if, if you buy that car. But yeah, the, the carbon fiber thing. Why can't we paint the carbon fiber? Because showing me the carbon fiber... It's only cool up close. From five feet and further away, mm -hmm. it just looks crappy, dull, black. Yeah. Especially the raw good. kind. The raw is awful. I hate that. So let's paint the carbon fiber. And you're enjoying the carbon fiber benefits? I mean, the thickness of paint is negligible, right? Sure, Ferrari yeah, yeah. paints their carbon fiber bodies. <laughs> I mean, come on. But why can't the wheels and the wing? Let's paint those. I think I agree with you. Let's paint let's make them beautiful and make the color unless it's a particular small trim piece that is carbon fiber and there's an accent but sure thing as giant as the wing sure i see it okay espegan 86 has recently had a minor string of bad luck on the car mm. the same tire has been compromised multiple times in less than two weeks Ooh. wow what is the worst maintenance luck that i've had with a car that would be my 2015 jeep grand cherokee that i bought brand new mm. when i moved to utah yes and the steering rack leaked, mm. but it leaked entirely into the boot. 
So the car didn't leak. It was like the perfect leak. There was zero leaks the tech on is the is like, ground. there's nothing dripping out of this car. Yeah, they're like, yeah. you're fine. Nothing's dripping. I don't know why your steering is terrible. <laughs> it leaked into the boot. It's the stealth leak. Yes. That's so good. Going what? And then the Uconnect system completely died. Mm-hmm. This is a brand new car, so they had to replace it, the entire module, of course, under warranty. But still, I'm going, the screen, you start the car, and then the screen just goes, good night. <laughs> Snap, shuts off. I'm like, wait, wait, what? You had a lot of going. fun with that. Yeah, that was It was a lot of favorite. fun, so it's, uh, it's not in my life anymore. Mitchell Edwards asks, why aren't any current mainstream midsize sedans offered in the liftback? He said, so many of them look like it. Look at the Toyota Crown. Look at the Honda Accord. Look at the Kia K5. These have trunks, not liftbacks. He's like, wouldn't it be a big selling point against the competition? He said, the last Fusion had a liftback, and it was never even brought to mm. the States. Why don't these cars have liftbacks? Mitchell, here's... Here's my counterpoint. I see what you're saying. Like the the Panamera has always been a liftback. Okay, the uh, Audi S5 is a liftback. They they exist. They're out there. Okay, the the Stinger, the Kia Stinger is one. Mm-hmm. So is the four series BMW. They are they exist, but there's very few. Here here's my counterpoint though. I don't think there's much of a market for it. I see the usability case. I see the, your design point mm. on the Honda Accord is a great example. I see the design points like, well, that should be a liftback. You're right. The Toyota Crown looks like it should be. I totally get what you're saying. I don't think more people are going to buy the car because it has it. And the flip side is I don't think there's a big market waiting around for that to exist. Otherwise, things like wagons and hatchbacks would sell better than they do. But when people get to wagons and hatchbacks, I'm not endorsing this. I'm just acknowledging it. When people get to a desire for a wagon or a hatchback, they buy a CUV. On Instagram, CrashTest01 asks what we think about doing a performance electric SUV face-off between the Tesla Model Y, (laughs) this is not a track daily crush, Tesla Model Y Performance, Hyundai Ioniq 5N, and the Mustang Mach-E GT. Every (laughs) review that we do. I see you easing your way into the water here. Where are you going? There is no review that we've done, to my knowledge, where the, the trio that we're doing or the dual comparison that we're doing, mm-hmm. we both say, man, this would be better as an EV. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Have we ever said that? We're driving gas-powered cars, sports cars, SUVs, whatever, and we think to ourselves, this is great or it's terrible and it would be better as a full EV. Mm. We've done that with the plug-in hybrids or various hybrids. Yeah. I think we've liked the hybrid the version hybrid over just a of, yeah, that's happened V6 sure. SUV. Yeah. But is there any time? What I'm getting at, Crash Test, is that I fear that the entire time we'd just be saying, man, all of these SUVs would be better as gas-powered cars. Well, but we did we did the Model Y and the Mach-E and the ID4 before. We did. And we, and it we wasn't the performance in, We stayed in that world. That, that's, his, that's where he's going. He's going to the performance. Yeah. And, and we weren't bemoaning. We were talking about infrastructure issues because those exist. But we weren't bemoaning the fact that they were electric at all. We were talking about them comparatively as how do they work compared to each other. And the difficulty that I have with this performance comparison is it's like picking the three sports teams with the most really violent fans and then standing in the middle and picking one as best or worst, but actually identifying bad things about all three and then trying to get out alive. The Ford fans are going to show up. 
the Tesla fans are going to show up with pitchforks. We haven't said anything yet, by yeah, the way. We just true. put it in the thumbnail. And the folks that, that will defend Kia or actually will say never, ever, 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 ever buy a Korean car because those folks have a constant chant going like monks, okay? <laughs> those groups will show up in force if we did that. Now, maybe that means it's a million-view uh, instant YouTube video because the, the fans will show. But when I look at it, I'm just like, huh. The other issue that I have is performance for what? Are we going to go track them? Because the fact that they are the performance versions suggests that we could, but we all know that the people buying the performance versions of those vehicles are never taking them to the track. Range Rover Sport, man. <laughs> Come on. That doesn't mean performance. It, it doesn't? means cheaper. Watch our <laughs> test drive. These are the performance versions, which means they need track time, which is something they will never actually do. Okay? As much as we would try to stick to here's what it is mm -hmm. instead of wishing what it should be. I, I would always wonder if this were the gas powered version of this with almost equivalent horsepower and handling mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, it would still be lighter and therefore inherently better. Weight's a big issue. It's a big issue when we start to talk performance. Now, yeah. the, the trio that you talked about, okay, they're all way about the same yeah, and we're yeah. talking about infrastructure and usage and that kind of stuff. Weight really didn't come into play as much. True, true. But this performance driving weight is the number one it's thing we'd talk yeah, about. So therefore, point. we'd be going point. blah blah blah. If okay. only this were an internal combustion engine powered SUV with the same. <laughs> let's just dump a all-wheel drive drivetrain <laughs> with a twin turbo V6 in there. We're good to go. We put the Mercedes turbo four-cylinder drivetrain into that's funny. I, yeah. I, okay, I I see where you're going. But I see where you're going. so I I'm open to it. Crash test. I think it would be interesting. But what would the conclusion be? The performance element is interesting because how do you properly test that and what are the conclusions? That is a good point. And also because up to this point, nobody has really focused on cornering. Every EV is about straight line and it's... And they're crazy fast. Boom, you're gone. Yes. Great. But now let's talk about cornering. And I know the Ionic 5N is shown drifting and I get that. But yeah. then, of course, if you're going to do that, we're talking about weight. We're going to have to have a stack of tires because heavy things like that blow through Stacks tires. Stacks of tires. Because they're very heavy. Here, here's, yes. here's the terrible track combination. Very heavy with crazy amounts of power to the wheels. Yes. It pretty much means every lap we need tires is pretty much where that's going. As Where's the stack? Who's supporting that? I mean, I'm open to all this. I, I, I am too. I, I'm intrigued by this. But, you know, we got to figure out the right. We, we got to keep it as, as an unknown outcome as possible. It's like whatever movie you watch, you're like, I sure. know the end. And then the end comes, you're like, I told you uh -huh. so. I did that the other night. I was sitting with my uh, my wife and son, and we were watching a TV show that we were just getting into, and something happened, and I went, oh, that's this, like before I could stop myself. And they were like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Two seasons later, they were like, I hate you. <laughs> exactly. So we wouldn't want that. Yeah. We'd need to keep it as fair as possible. On Facebook, Walid Z thinks his Audi 2.0 may be actually a rotary engine because it consumes almost as much oil as it does gas. Yikes. How much time does he have before he needs to submit a car debate? Well, you're thinking about it. You know what we say. <laughs> Ten, <Anyway>. nine, <laughs> eight. Tune in next time. <laughs> Go ahead and submit because uh, the fact that you wrote this on Facebook and the fact that you're already acknowledging this that means you're ready, Waleed. It does. Guys, thank you for all your questions. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com with all your Topic Tuesdays, your car debates, and your car conclusions. We look forward to doing car conclusions again here yeah, shortly. For sure. And we're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.